0: Well, in the late 1980s, early 1990s, I was a young guy, and I loved Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I don't watch it much anymore, but there was this one skit with Kevin Nealon and Dana Carvey where they dressed up as these two Austrian bodybuilders. Do you remember gray workout suits? They padded them to look like they had muscles. And it was a parody of Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was at the height of his popularity as, as an actor, but used to be a bodybuilder. And it was a local cable TV show that they parodied, and um, they always started it off with a catch line that said, We're here to pump you up. They would always say it in the Austrian accent. Well, I I love good comedy skits, and I I love that one especially, and in our scripture today, Paul is saying to the church, and that's us, uh, you are here to pump one another up, to body build in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, he's not talking about the physical body. He's not talking about just a group of people that are in Corinth that he's writing to, he's talking about being the body of Christ. This is a prevalent image that he uses throughout the New Testament to talk about the function and the purpose of us, the church. What does it mean to be the body of Christ? Because it's not just a group of people that get together on Sunday. Lest you think that you're coming here on Sundays just about fitting it into your schedule and you getting something out of it to take home for the week, Lest you think that, that we're just an organization or a, uh, a functioning group that tries to do good in the community, we're, we're much more than that, Paul says. He said we are the living and the breathing, the heart-beating body of Christ to this community, to the world that is around us, and to one another. Until Christ comes again in his fullness, we are all that's left in the world of Christ. You and I, us together, here and now. And he says you should live as such in your relationships to one another. We've been talking about words in my sermon series uh, over the past few weeks. I'm going to wrap up next week talking about how our words are powerful enough to offer forgiveness to others. But today we want to talk about how our words in the church are so important and how that makes us who we are called to to be and so we begin by talking about this word from uh, from Ephesians instead of uh, Corinthians as I said earlier a few words of guidance that Paul has for us the church and one of those is to grow up in the words in which we use in the ways in which we speak to be more mature about that and well, less sophomores or less immature. I've done a lot of youth ministry in my years. I've had kids that they grew up in my home that were were in middle school, and middle school's a very interesting time, isn't it, for kids? Yeah, yeah, they're trying to find out who they are and develop their self-esteem and their persona and who they're going to become in the world, and, and they say things that just, well, you have no idea what's coming out of their mouths, and it's uh, funny, it's interesting, sometimes frustrating for, for kids of that age, or us adults rather, in dealing with them. But Paul reminds us as, as the church to not get stuck in our childish ways, as he talks about in Corinthians, to be more mature. I've talked about that throughout this series, about how all of these passages we look at and using our words, they come back to being more mature in in our faith and trusting more in God. Remember Jesus said that the condition of your heart's going to determine the words out of your mouth. Out of the overflow of your heart comes comes our words. It's a matter of maturity and depth that we find and it's a matter of us being self-aware, not like like the world that is around us and those that do not know Christ, but to understand the grasp and the depths of his love for us. Shown for us through his ministry and his life. And taking that love and allowing it to develop and mature us. So we choose to be more mature and not, not ignorant to the, the ways of God. We choose to be whole and not, not just um, unto ourselves. We choose to, to speak with words of truth, not words of, of dishonesty or falsehood. To speak with words of peace and not of, of anger or malice, Paul says. To be self-aware means to be more mature. You know, there is a reason that, um, that God gives to us, human beings, two ears and one mouth. You know that, don't you? You've heard that before? I did as a child growing up, which basically it meant that your, your talking to your listening ratio ought to be what? It ought to be one to two, right? But a lot of times we can allow it to be flipped over and talk twice as much as we listen. And there's something about that that gets us in trouble. We talked about it last week, but, but to simply say to stop and listen to God's voice in our heart is a big part of growing up in our faith. Before we speak, let the Spirit talk to us. There, there are a lot of sad things that happen in church and I want to be honest about that today and not necessarily in this church I've pastored a lot over 25 years tremendous things have happened and God has worked in great ways Uh, we people get hamstrung sometimes in the ministry that we're called to be I don't think there's anything more heartbreaking for me as a pastor or difficult to, to see people arguing and, and fighting in the church or saying words that are just not of God to one another. It's, it's uh, unpleasing and ugly in God's sight. There, is, um, there are all kinds of uh, things that people say, anything from, hey, you're sitting in my seat on Sunday morning to a visitor that, that might be unaware of where you normally sit on Sunday morning, there are people that get involved in their cliques and their little groups in the church, factions if you will, and there's politicking that goes on. And I'm not talking about Democrats and Republicans, not talking about government politics, but, but you know, we're, we're going to do our own thing. We're not going to do what that other group is doing or support that because we don't like that. That's, that's divisive. That's not of God in the church. There are, are people that, that just scheme and try to tear things down of what is, is being done by God and being moved by God in the church because they're not involved in it or because they don't like the way that it's happening. And in all of these things, Paul just simply says, grow up, be mature, know that it's not about you. It's about something bigger you're a part of. It's the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ, and it's his love that you should trump above all. Second word of guidance is is talking differently from the rest of the world. You heard Paul mention and speak of of the Gentiles and, and them being ignorant to the things that we know. He's really saying there, church, that as you hear the gospel message and as you learn the teachings of Scripture, you ought to know better than to not put love first and build up the body of Christ above all that things in the world are a little different when when they don't look and the world doesn't see and hear the call of Christ that is for them too and yet unheeded that they don't understand the the most important thing of all is is the love to talk differently to be different from the world is something that comes with being a person of the Christian faith and And that's not easy. There are a lot of movements in theological circles even today to say that it's okay to just do as the world does. And by that I mean simply, whatever feels good, just go ahead and do it. Or whenever you don't agree with something, just blow it up and blast it out of the water. Or um, if it's trendy and popular, just go for it. Don't worry about, about the implications of that or the consequences. We are called to a higher standard, a different path, a narrower path, Jesus said, but it leads to life, and we are supposed to follow it and be faithful to it, including letting it guide the words that come out of our mouth. Now, I'm not just speaking of here cursing. I remember here in the passages of this scripture, as a younger person, thinking it meant that that I should, should never say any curse word. And, and we shouldn't let holy, unholy things come out of our mouths. But there's so much more to it than that. There's intent. There's desire in how we speak to others. That as well uh, determine whether it's holy or not. But we're supposed to be different from the world and not, not the same as the world. And that's, that's a struggle I deal with in my own faith. I bet you do too. I love the story of the, the woman that was driving to work one Monday morning and was arrested and taken downtown to the police station and, and booked and locked up. She was driving on her way to work as she normally would. She was at a red light, and the guy, a couple of cars in front of her, well, he started a little bit late when the light turned green going into the intersection, By the time she got there, the light had turned red, and she had to slam on brakes, and she just went off the deep end, screaming and yelping, hand signals. You know what I'm talking about, hand signals. And when the light finally turned green, the the one car had left in front of her, she pulled out around into the other lane and punched it and went through the intersection, speeding down the road. And... The police officer, who was a few cars behind, turned the lights on and the siren on, and the lady pulled over, and when she rolled down her window, he asked her to get out of the car, and she did, and he put handcuffs on her. And he put her in the car, and he drove her downtown, and they, they booked her, and she was put in, into holding, and, and after a few hours had passed, and she had calmed down, she asked, why is it that I've been given this treatment? And the officer, uh, as well as the, the uh, person that was in charge of him were there, said, um, ma'am, we're sorry, this was a mistake. We did not mean to arrest you. And I would like the officer to explain why he did. And he said, well, ma'am, I, I saw the way you were acting and, and the gestures you were giving and the aggressiveness with which you were driving. And I saw on the back of your car there uh, to... Um, What would Jesus do, bumper sticker? And your church, bumper sticker. And I thought to myself, certainly a a Christian person would not act this way. And so I had to assume the car was stolen. And so he arrested her for that. But later found out that was not the case. But it is a great reminder, isn't it, to us all, that the world is watching to see If we do what Jesus calls us to do. The way we treat one another. The way we treat others in the world around us. Is it pleasing? A beautiful aroma to God. Or is it not? Because that's what it comes down to. Jesus said we are to be salt and light. And I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And by that he meant salty. Not in salty language. But in being God's seasoning. In the world wherever we are. And light being being the light of Christ shining into other people's lives through all that we do and all that we say and speak as well. Our words should be different from those of the world around us that just roll out with no thought whatsoever. And then finally, finally the Scripture gives us instruction and encouragement to always speak in tone of voice with honesty and with love, and with truth. I love that it says that as Christians and in the church, we should speak the truth to one another in love. And sometimes it's hard to hear the truth, isn't it? Especially when it conflicts with the way that we're living or speaking or doing. I don't like getting called on the carpet for something that I've done wrong. And I would imagine all of us feel that way too. But there is a sense and a way in which you can do that in love that it is not hateful and hurting, and it can actually build up the body of Christ for us to be stronger together. There's a, I'll save that till next week when we talk about forgiveness and reconciliation. But simply to say that we should put truth and honesty and love in all of the intent and tones of our words. Is what we need to hear. There is a science to actually back this up. Did you know that? Yeah, scientists have studied and it has shown that when you say words that are positive and encouraging to someone, they go much further and have a much greater impact than saying words that are negative or words that are, are demeaning. Uh, there's a group called the Gottman Group that did a study starting in the 1970s up until in the 2000, around 2010. And Dr. Gottman and his associates decided that they would study among couples that were were married, uh, about how it was that they dealt with conflict in their home and how they argued. What happened in the conversations when things came up at home? How would they deal with those? They, with the permission of these couples, videotaped them. And they studied in 15 minutes them resolving a difference or an argument they had between them and they came up with this magic ratio they found it was uniform across all that they studied that would show whether couples would stay together or not or or be able to continue on functioning together based upon the positive things that were said in the midst of the, the argument or disagreement versus the negative things um, It was a ratio of criticism to encouragement, if you would. And the magic ratio, are you ready for this? The magic ratio was five to one. If there were five good things that were said during their discussion or conversation against one negative or demeaning thing that one would say, then it showed over time couples that did that would turn out all right. They would stay together and be committed. But if the ratio was, was heavier on the criticism side, on the negative side, those couples did not fare as well. A few years ago, the Harvard Business Review did an article about a, about a company that was examining its employees and its executives, and they were trying to find a way to make them most effective and fruitful. And one of the things that they found in doing that was this this research, this study from the Gottman Group, and they decided to give it a trial on a corporate level. And they found that such was the case as well, giving positive feedback to employees versus negative feedback. If it got beyond the five positives to one negative, the relationship would fracture and things would seem to be more likely to unravel. And so the point was that That even in organizations, as is the case in marriages or in in family relationships, if there is grace in the midst of criticism and struggle, then there can be a good outcome that comes as a result of it. I want us to hear that today as the church, to remember that, that five times to one at least, we need to be building one another up in love be encouraging one another, speaking words of of life and of cheering, words of Christ that are of God and not of the world, so that we may be together the body of Christ, fruitful, mature, and good and pleasing into God's sight. As Paul wrote in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true and whatever is noble and whatever is right and whatever is pure and whatever uh, is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so let's put aside all of the things that would hinder and keep us from following Christ and being his body to one another and building one another up in love and showing that love to the community and transforming the world. Because we are called to follow him, not just what is in our own desire and our own motive. Uh, Tommy Allen gets an extra praise today from me. He came and helped out with the stew this weekend, and thanks to everybody that did that. But he did a little extra yesterday. He stayed after, and he brought with him his chainsaw that we asked him to bring because we had a dead tree right out here on Pleasant Garden Road on the church lot that needed to come down. There's a dead bush there, too. He pulled it out with his truck. It was a man moment, Tommy. Thank you for letting me be a part of that and loading up that wood so you could haul it off. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a beautiful tree. Just last year, something happened to it earlier this year. It got diseased or something, or maybe it no longer had roots that reached the source of water that that gave it life, or maybe it didn't process the nutrients in the soil, or the soil didn't have what it needed anymore, but, but nonetheless, that tree that was just months ago, a year ago, living just like the one that was beside it, green and full of leaves and life, withered, and it died, and it, it had to come down. It's time was past its days were over. And I want us to hear as a church this morning that that Paul is saying to us for your better days to be ahead for you to grow and to bear fruit and to be be a, a beautiful living organism for Jesus. You need to stay healthy and stay strong and you need to build up your body and do everything in your power for the glory of God so that his kingdom may reign upon the earth. Let us do that because I look forward to the days ahead when when his life is breathed into us in new ways that we can't even imagine. Let's pray together as we close. Lord, thank you for your love that was given at all cost for our sake. And help us to be loving examples of that to one another here and now. Lord, help us to put aside everything, selfish things, old ways that we, we deal with relationships that are unhealthy. Let us be mature in our faith and remember when, when we don't get things the way we want them or when we get frustrated at home or in church or wherever we are in the world to stop and reflect upon what it is you would have us to do. Lord, thank you for Pleasant Garden United Methodist Church and and for your Holy Spirit here. Transform us even more into the likeness of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.